MasterCard knows local businesses mean more than what they sell. DJ Jason Johnson's Eagle Feather Entertainment provides beats and fundraising. At Eat My Shortbread, Trisha Bauer is a baker and an uplifter. And at Caroline Lavallee's Boutique, you'll find both green products and a community hub. MasterCard has tools and resources to support small businesses like Trisha's, Jason's, and Caroline's. Learn more at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Together, let's start something priceless. I'm Gabe Friedman, and you're listening to Down to Business. My guest this week is Andy Yan, director of the city program at Simon Fraser University. Several years ago, Yan drew attention with a meticulous study that showed how foreign buyers and investors were driving up condo prices in Vancouver, his hometown. More recently, he's turned his attention to studying the effects of the pandemic on small businesses. He sees the pandemic as a bundle of contradictions because it's interrupted so many businesses, but it's also accelerated and amplified trends such as the shift to e-commerce and inequality. As always, the interview was edited for clarity and brevity. Andy Yan, it's lovely to have you on the show. Oh, you're very welcome, Gabe. So what kind of impacts do you see COVID-19 having on real estate and small businesses? Well, I think it COVID hit a, a patient, if you will, that had a whole series of pre-existing conditions as well as new ones because of the pandemic. And, and I think that I've kind of thought about it along how COVID has really had three roles. And I mean, certainly the first role is as an interrupter, as how COVID has interrupted the flow of businesses uh, throughout the entire economy. And, and, it, and you can imagine in particular for small businesses on Main Street. And I think that from that role as interrupter, certainly in, 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 in the realm of revenue, um, it's also an accelerator that I think with COVID-19 and the pandemic, it's something that has accelerated a lot of trends that we saw well before the pandemic that we knew were happening, that it's only accelerated, uh, I think, particular business challenges and real estate trends that we knew were already happening. And I think finally, it's as an amplifier that I think that it's really amplified the kinds of challenges that small businesses and, and were, were facing, but then also the kind of real estate trends that we saw that were, were occurring uh, before March 2020. So interrupting, I think everyone, that everyone gets. But when it comes to accelerating trends, why would it, those sort of seem almost at, at odds with each other. How could it interrupt something, but also like accelerate pre-existing trends? Like, are, is there a good example that maybe you can begin with? Well, I think some of the best examples is actually around retail, particularly uh, Main Street storefront retail and how we knew coming into the, the pandemic that they were facing sizable disruptions. And, you know, first and foremost, I think folks have identified the role of online particularly the role of, uh, of Amazon as one of those. But I think that, you know, from trends that we thought that, hey, you know, this is something that probably won't really truly come into play for another 10 years. Well, it happened in 10 months. And something that I think a lot of folks thought, well, this is already beginning, but then it will take time for this to really take root. And you think about the role of, of delivery and how that has, kind of accelerated. I think folks now expect that they they have this expectation now about the delivery of goods and services uh, to their homes um, that we previously saw was 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 just starting. But then now I think it's, it's accelerating. So the third one you mentioned, though, was amplified. And can you tell me what you meant by that? I think that what it did was amplify those 
businesses that were already challenged in terms of finance, in terms of rent, that, and that they were already, I think, under a lot of pressure. So, and, and I think that a part of this amplification is the unevenness that has occurred in terms of the effect of, of the pandemic on small businesses, that uh, we certainly see some businesses really struggle these small restaurants, but then I think it's it's interesting. Mind you, some restaurants have 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 done quite well. You got to remember, like I think something like probably seventy to eighty percent of the economy is just humming along. Like there's like there's a portion of the economy that's just is devastated. Restaurant, uh, hospitality, tourism, absolute like huff of what they are. But a lot of other sectors, um, you know, particularly when it comes to um, when it comes to finances, when it comes to tech, when it comes to uh, to a lot of manufacturing, they've kind of just kept on going, you know, and, 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 and because the other way of understanding uh, COVID as the amplifier is the, how it's amplified in inequality. And, and, you know, those that were doing okay or well before COVID are probably doing okay or well after COVID, but those that were already in really difficult straits in, in terms of finance, they're, they're, they're in perhaps even deeper challenges. And if it wasn't for programs like CERB, et cetera, that population probably in a deeper mess. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a K shaped recovery in that way. Oh, exactly. Like I mean, for, you know, for me, out of the university, we we it's been disruptive, but you know, our paychecks are still coming. But if you're you know at the cruise ship terminal in downtown Vancouver, your world has completely been turned upside down. I know. So it is it is that K shape that I think will 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 be where we're at. Yeah, it's going to be a real resorting of the economy, I guess. Exactly. There is an emerging view, I'll call it, you know, that says that what we're going to see is kind of the end of small business. You're going to see a lot more corporatization of business after all this because you're going to see a lot of small businesses that mainly existed in storefronts. And I'm thinking of retail basically now, whether it's a restaurant or a gift shop close and some corporate chain may take it over. Is that where you see us going after this pandemic is over? Well, I think the end of small business per se may be greatly exaggerated that the real, I think, um, initiative and the gumption of small entrepreneurs, I think, is something I would like to think is always there, will always be there. But yet, I think it's going to be expressed in very different ways that I think, again, a trend that we knew was already happening when it came to small businesses was really how they were shifting toward being much more personal, much more experiential, as opposed to, say, just the shuffling of stuff. And that I think that what we'll see is a change in how small business is conducted, that it's much more relational, if you will, as opposed to transactional, that you will purposely decide to buy in a small local shop, not because it's the cheapest, it's relationship that the proprietor has been able to build with you. And I think that this is going to be, I think, one of those changes in terms of business tactics that we'll see moving forward, that it becomes much more personal and much more relational and much more uh, experiential. Yeah. When people talk about a lot of mom and pop shops getting squeezed out. It also strikes me that one of the consequences of this is that you have falling rents, which maybe do open up opportunities. But I guess I also think as a counterpoint to that, you have to have a lot of money or be a little bit crazy to open a business up in the middle of this pandemic and maybe for a little while afterwards. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really where um, government is going to have to step up. Part of the big challenges before the uh, pandemic was the fact that of how long it took to get business permits and to get and 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 that the idea of rising from the ashes in terms of Phoenix permits is really accelerated uh, business permitting that uh, hopefully municipalities will take up as as you see small businesses uh, see that shift and 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 that yes indeed small some small businesses will fail but then in their ashes hopefully rises a much a much more robust and a much more resilient uh, small business ecology is there a reason why you think that would change after this pandemic I think I think it's always well balances between skept- being skeptical and being hopeful that I, I, I tend to lean into a bit of the hope. I, I think part of the really interesting aspects of the pandemic was actually how it accelerated digitization for a lot of cities. That I know that there's certainly one city in metropolitan Vancouver where they shifted or pivoted into a greater level of digitization when it came through applications for building or, or business or business change. And I think that that greatly accelerates that type of time frame that previously before the kind of paper paper pen method just took forever. That it I think has helped. Um, I think made the processes by far more efficient than before the pandemic. So I think that I think well, well indeed one should enter a certain have a certain level of cynicism in, in in really what 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 has happened before. But then one can also be a little hopeful that out of this pandemic, it also has accelerated certain trends of digitization when it comes to government that I think uh, hopefully will, 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 will I think, incre- uh, make, make it by far more efficient than it was previously before. Well, I hope you're right about that. One question I want to ask you was, you, before this pandemic even, did a lot of research to show how global capital was coming into Canada and driving up the price of real estate in a lot of cities, most notably Vancouver. How does that trend tie into some of the trends that were amplified by the current crisis? Well, I think that it's really how global capital was connected towards cheap capital, that we live in an era of really low interest rates. And I think it's important to note that our real, our housing markets were always under pressure, that they, 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 they always had this kind of challenge in terms of really meeting the population demand for for housing, but then when you now see the kind of role of speculation occur and how, uh, whether it came in through flipping, you know, rapid real estate transactions or speculation, that that added further pressure in the in, in, into the real estate markets. And and I think it's it's interesting to kind of see and and I think this is the edge of my research is to see the interface of really how it has not only affected residential real estate, but how it has had, I think, spillover effect into commercial. Um, because mixed into this type of conversation now, we're not only talking about just the price of real estate, it's actually the the issue of who lives there. And I think one of the kind of big challenges when it comes to certain neighborhoods in Vancouver is that real estate may be very expensive, but now you actually have an instance where there's not enough people really to justify the kind of um, the, the kind of rent, uh, rent uh, commercial rents that are in in that are that were in these commercial areas that were formerly servicing these residential uh, neighborhoods. So I think that you know moving forward, it is really trying to sort things out in terms of um, the the kinds of 
well, 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 the kinds of um, taxation schemes as well as I think supports that um, that small business are going to need uh, attached toward what happens in the neighborhoods surrounding. Since we're talking about housing and commercial rents and speculation, many of us are not working in the office anymore, which means that there are huge office buildings that are empty. Do you think that we'll most likely end up going back into offices and working as we did before? Well, I think that's probably going to be the trend to watch, that we've had this interruption nine months. I mean, the thing will probably go on to probably the end of next year. So let's say a year and nine months and how that might shape behavior. Um, and, I, and I think one of the most interesting things to see in the, in the changes in behavior is the expectation to work from home. And I think that this is going to be, I think, one of the major trends as I think folks are going to the benefits from work home. But then, of course, this assumes that one wants or can work from home. Like you got to remember, of course, another context of all this is that only about 40% of the economy can telework, meaning that 60% of other other occupations and parts of the economy can't. Like they're 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 location locked in their jobs, and so I think that that brings into a dynamic of what happens. Like, will we see a surplus of commercial spaces, which inevitably, I mean, we've seen examples in Toronto and in Vancouver where that gets. Uh, and actually, Calgary is probably one of the single biggest example. Um, have that um, formerly commercial real estate shift into residential, but I think the challenge there is that it, of course, takes time for these type type of residential conversions. And the and and the big challenge is actually, and this actually is what happened in Vancouver, is that it could actually become a scenario where it becomes too successful. That for a bit of time, uh, for almost a decade in Vancouver, uh, the, the successful trans, uh, transition of commercial of commercial into residential um, actually brought out profound concerns that we were perhaps converting too much commercial into residential. So I think that this is, of course, one of those kinds of moving targets when it comes to urban planning. But I think, still, nevertheless, I think as the kind of I think final legacy of COVID-19 will will come out that I think this is certainly something to watch. So since we are about to enter a holiday stretch, is, is there anything that's making you really hopeful about 2021? I think what 2021, what would make me hopeful in 2021? I think that part of this is that we've rediscovered the importance of our neighborhoods and actually how a diverse neighborhood in terms of land use, in terms of activities, I think really is an asset for, for cities. That having neighborhoods that were so segregated in terms of land use, uh, commercial here, residential there, that what we've, I think, rediscovered for many neighborhoods is that the ones that I think were to be the most resilient and the most happy, if you will, were the ones that had a mix of commercial and retail activities. And I think that what makes me optimistic for 2021 is that we've rediscovered that type of uh, benefit of mixing, through which actually was something that well, occurred you know, in the 19th century, for cities in the 19th century, that this is perhaps the new theme for the 21st century. Well, let's hope that this all leads to a huge resurgence. And thank you so much for for joining me today to talk about these issues. It's 
a really interesting discussion, and I wish we had more time to talk. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Gabe. Talk to you later. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. That was Andy Yan, director of the City Program at Simon Fraser University. Thank you for listening to this episode of Down to Business, which will be the last show until we return in mid-January. Thanks to Bryce Hall for music and production, Yadula Hussein for editing, and Pamela Heaven for web support. Here at Down to Business, we can always use your support, so if you made it this far, consider rating us on our podcast app and sharing this episode. I'm Gabe Friedman, your host, wishing you a happy new year.